Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to The West Walk. Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor arrived back in Canada under the cover of darkness, accompanied by Canada's ambassador to China, Dominic Barton. The operation was so sensitive that the Canadian government did not even reveal the two men were on their way home until after their plane had left Chinese airspace. Few expected the two Michaels to be released so quickly by China, who had long denied a connection between the cases of Meng Wanzhou and the Canadians. But what a welcome surprise. After nearly three years of watching and waiting, the country can celebrate. The West Block was able to quickly catch up with Michael Kovrig, his wife Vina Najabula, and his sister Ariana Botha at Ariana's home in Toronto just hours after he arrived. Hi, Mercedes. The family was eager to thank Canadians for their support, and the overwhelming joy and relief at being together again was clear. It's amazing. Here is what they had to say. Hello, Michael, Vina, and Ariana. Welcome home. We are so excited to see you. This is just an incredible moment. Michael, what do you want to say to Canadians? Uh, I just want to say thank you very much to all Canadians for the enormous support uh, and uh, all the effort that uh, so many people have made to help bring Michael Spaver and me home. Uh, it was really moving and knowing that so many people knew about the situation, cared about the situation, really helped us get through a very difficult time and we are so happy now. I am so delighted to be back home with my family uh, and to be back in Canada and I'm really looking forward to reconnecting with friends and family and finally getting out and seeing all the beauty of Canada. Uh, so I'm in, I am immensely happy and thank you so much. Well, we are all just ecstatic to have you home. Vina, how does this feel for you? You have fought so hard for Michael's freedom. We have talked to you so many times. You've just been uh, an absolute warrior. What a day for you. How are you? I, I feel fantastic, Mercedes. It has been an incredible day. Um, I'm speechless. I, it's hard to find the right words right now, but um, oceans of gratitude enormous amount of relief um, and just joy that this day has finally come, uh, that Michael is home, that he's safe, that he's healthy, and that we, we finally got here, right? We, we brought them home, uh, and this is because of all the Canadians who have been with us every step of the way. Just two weeks ago, we walked for them 7,000 steps for their freedom, and here they are, free at last, in Canada. Thank you. What was the moment like when you first saw Michael stepping off the plane and you were able to embrace him? Hard to describe. <laughs> Indescribably intense, let's just say, and leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, yes. I think yeah, we just need some time now to yeah, heal and to rest. Exactly. But thank you so much, Mercedes and everyone. Thank you. Can, can I ask you what you have planned for tonight? What's the, the first thing that you want to go and do? Is there a favorite meal or drink? or? <laughs> oh, yeah, just, I haven't asked you. We're ordering we, have, we haven't gotten there yet, so we'll, we'll get there. But thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Whatever he wants. Whatever Absolutely. he wants. Absolutely. I'll make you. it happen. Uh, I'm running on about two, I'm running on about two hours of sleep in the last 24 plus hours, so I don't have any exciting plans just yet. 
I think that's uh, that's a very well-deserved nap, but we're so glad to have you with us. Thank you so much for making time for us. We don't want to intrude on your family time any further. We wish you the absolute best. We hope to talk to you again soon. All of our love to you, and please take care of yourselves. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Joining me now is Foreign Affairs Minister Mark Garneau. Thank you for making time for us, Minister. Can you take us through that moment when you found out that the two Michaels were coming home? Well, Mercedes, it was certainly a very emotional moment uh, because we've been working on this file, as you know, for a very, very long time. And to actually reach that point where we knew that uh, the two Michaels were coming home uh, and to be there, especially uh, as I was on in Calgary on Saturday morning to see them touch down on Canadian soil uh, was something I will remember uh, my entire life. It was a moment that I think that, that uh, of happiness was shared by all Canadians. It was certainly very, very clear yesterday, the outpouring of, uh, of joy across the country. Absolutely, a, a very joyful moment, uh, rare good news, which everybody was celebrating. Can you tell me a little bit, Minister, about what role your government played in getting the two Michaels freed? I mean, obviously the U.S. dropped the extradition request, but what was the discussion like between you and your Chinese counterpart and you and your American counterpart? Well, some of these details will come out uh, in due course, but we had always uh, been very uh, much engaged with the United States. I myself with the Secretary Blinken, the Prime Minister with the President, they realized how important it was for us to find a way to get the two Michaels home. And uh, I have to also say that uh, our ambassador in China, Dominic Barton, was very engaged uh, on the Chinese side. So. It all came together when uh, the moment uh, when it came together, when it was when the decision was made uh, with respect to the judicial proceedings and the and, and arriving at what's called a deferred prosecution agreement. Uh, that was really the moment when we felt we had turned the corner uh, collectively and uh, that enabled the return of the two Michaels. I think the, the speed of the return shocked a lot of people, including China experts who thought that China might want to save face. It could be days, weeks or months before they were released instead. Um, thankfully, it was hours, but it very clearly makes uh, the case that what China was denying, that these two cases were connected or that this was not hostage diplomacy, go out the window. Uh, obviously, there was a very strong connection there. Will there be a consequence for China for practicing hostage diplomacy? Well, as you know, uh, we made that point repeatedly uh, throughout the past uh, 1,019 days that this was a manufactured uh, arbitrary detention uh, directly related to the fact that Canada, uh, respecting the rule of law, had uh, detained among one Joe uh, as part of our respect for our extradition treaty with the United States. We have, as you know, uh, since February, uh, uh, built a, a very strong multilateral support through on the question of the declaration of on arbitrary detention in state-to-state -state relations. There are now 65 countries that have been supportive and very loudly supportive of the fact that you cannot, you cannot arbitrarily detain the citizens of another country simply because you have a disagreement with the country that you're dealing with. And I think that voice is continuing to grow uh, and that it will eventually cause countries that use arbitrary detention to reconsider. Will Canada take a, a very direct position on this with China, though, now that the two Michaels are home? For example, is your government considering sanctions against China? 
Well, of course, we imposed sanctions uh, in the case of their treatment of the Uyghurs. Uh, our relationship, and, and let me say that there was no path to a relation uh, with China as long as the two Michaels were detained. Our eyes have been wide open from the beginning, and, and we know that this is a complex relationship with China, and it's evolved over the past five years. But our approach has been consistent. It's fourfold. Uh, we coexist with China. We're on the same planet. Uh, we compete with them. Uh, trade is an example of it. In some cases, we need to cooperate because there are global issues such as climate change. The upcoming COP26 conference is going to be extremely important. China is the largest producer of greenhouse gases in the world. And yes, sometimes we will challenge China, as we did on their arbitrary detention of the two Michaels, as we did on their treatment of the Uyghurs, the people of Hong Kong, the Tibetans, and we're going to continue to challenge uh, China as we move forward. So the relationship is a complex one, but our eyes are wide open. Minister Garneau, what happens with Huawei now? Because your government had been putting this off. We're the only country in the Five Eyes who has not restricted or banned the company's operations here in Canada. Uh, a lot of folks thought that was because the two Michaels were in prison in China and that their lives were potentially at risk. That's no longer the case. So will your government take action on Huawei and will you restrict or ban them in Canada? Canada will make its decision with respect to Huawei 5G. Uh, and we've said from the beginning that this will be based on ensuring the security of our telecommunication system in our country. So that has been our position from the start. And, you know, in due course, we will make that decision. I think a lot of people wonder, though, why why wait? Why why not simply say this behavior was inappropriate by China? We do not accept hostage diplomacy and the consequences that Huawei 5G is banned here. So we have been very, uh, very clear on the uh, unacceptable behavior of uh, China with respect to the arbitrary detention of the two Michaels. And we've said it loud and clear. With respect to Huawei 5G, we've also said that our primary consideration uh, is ensuring the security of our telecommunication system. And when we're ready to make that decision, we will make it. Do you support Canadian athletes participating in the 2022 Winter Olympics in China? So here again, we have been clear on our position. It is up to the International Olympic Committee to make decisions with respect to the location, the venue. Uh, and it is up to the Canadian Olympic community to make its decision with respect to the participation of the athletes. And they have made that decision uh, at this point in time with respect to uh, the participation of, of Canadian athletes. Is, is your view that that's the appropriate decision though? Do you think that Canadians should still be going in light of the fact that this is a government that took two of our citizens hostage arbitrarily for almost three years? We've been very clear on, on uh, the areas where we have uh, accused China of arbitrary detention, where we have criticized China with respect to the human rights records, and we will continue to do that. But we've also said that the Olympics themselves is a decision that is uh, made by the Canadian Olympic uh, Committee uh, because it is responsible for Canada's athletes. 
Minister, would you be concerned about Canadians who are in China right now? Do you think that perhaps there should be some kind of a travel warning for folks who are thinking about going there on vacation or for business, that they could potentially be at risk and China, if it doesn't like something else the Canadian government does, may take it out on innocent Canadians who happen to be in their country? So Canada uh, always publishes what are called travel advisories. And I would encourage all Canadians who are going to any country in the world to go to the Global Affairs uh, Canada website and check the travel advisory with respect to a particular country. Ultimately, it is a decision that is made by the citizens who decide that they're going to go to a particular country, but we strongly advise them to check the Global uh, Affairs Canada travel advisory. But do you think that Canadians who are in China are potentially at risk, that, there, that there's a danger there? as the foreign affairs minister? We, we recommend that they check the travel advisory uh, and it's very explicit with respect to that. Uh, so Canadians ultimately need to make their own decisions for their own particular reasons with respect to it. They're all aware of what happened with respect to, to Michaels, uh, but they must ultimately make their decisions. Looking at Canada, Canada's relationship with the Five Eyes, uh, with other countries, your government has faced some criticism over the deal that the United States signed with Australia and others. Uh, folks are saying Canada has been sidelined from discussions with China, that we're being excluded, we're being left behind. Do you believe that's true? Well, uh, the Prime Minister, I think, said it very clearly. Uh, this was an agreement between Australia, the UK and the United States with respect to Australia acquiring nuclear submarines. That's what it was about. Canada does not have any plans for acquiring nuclear submarines. With respect to our security and defense partnerships, they're very strong. Whether it's with NATO, whether it's with NORAD, whether it's with the Five Eyes, they're a very robust set of relationships and they will continue to be. What does the Canada-China relationship look like going forward now? What, what is our foreign policy towards China? As I said, it's a wide open or eyes wide open uh, policy with respect to them. And uh, as I said, uh, the relation uh, was not going to be developed uh, any further while the two Michaels uh, were being detained. But as I said, we will uh, coexist, we will compete, we will cooperate in areas where we need to cooperate, such as uh, climate change, and we will challenge China, whether it's on human rights or whether it's on arbitrary detention when appropriate. Minister Garno, thank you so much for making time for us this morning. We appreciate it, sir. The fourth wave of COVID-19 is hitting Alberta so hard the Canadian military is deploying into the province to help the overwhelmed ICUs and to transfer patients out of the province to other parts of the country. The crisis has forced Premier Jason Kenney to shuffle his cabinet, removing health minister, or former health minister now, Tyler Shandro, from that role. As this crisis evolves, so too must our response to it. Uh, and so uh, I have accepted Minister Shandro's resignation as Minister of Health. It is time for a fresh start. The move has not stemmed the tide of criticism or calls for Kenny's resignation, who is fighting for his political life. Joining us now to talk about this is Alberta NDP leader Rachel Notley. Thank you for joining us today, Ms. Notley. Can you describe what the situation is in Alberta right now? Well, we're in a very dire set of circumstances right now. Uh, as I speak to you, we're, we're at a point where we are 
one bed short of having to go into a triage protocol where healthcare workers are literally making the decision between uh, the the lives of, of, of two equally urgent uh, patients because not both of them can get the care that they urgently need to stay alive. And and that is, uh, that's tragic and it's devastating. It's devastating for those patients, obviously, it's for their families, uh, for these healthcare workers. And of course, it was entirely avoidable. And uh, um, and so now we're, we're trying to figure out the fastest, best way to, to steer out of this emergency, but we're certainly not hearing uh, much from uh, the Premier or the Cabinet or anybody in the UCP in terms of how to get there. What do you think needs to happen in Alberta right now to, to do that, to pull the province out of this emergency? Well, we've been proposing a, a number of different things over the last few weeks, but uh, most recently, uh, because of the political turmoil within the uh, UCP and the fact that uh, now Jason Kenney has to uh, campaign for the next few months uh, for his leadership to uh, people that he himself described as being against public health measures, against uh, vaccines, against masking, uh, I, I just literally don't believe that he or his cabinet are well. They're, they're, are equipped to. Make Make these decisions. I think over the last uh, several months, we've seen fundamentally and categorically that they're not. And if anything, that situation has just gotten worse as a result of the fact that he's now in a leadership uh, campaign for his own party. And so we've suggested uh, that we have the CMOH act more independently, but because uh, the degree to which she's been deferring to the premier and his cabinet over the last 18 months has, has somewhat compromised uh, people's desire to listen to her, that we also, uh, through regulation, attach her to a science panel uh, that would make recommendations transparently, openly, on a regular basis, and and there would be sort of a, an open conversation that, that would grow, I think, in the long run, uh, the trust of Albertans uh, as we use science and evidence and, and best opinions of the experts to steer ourselves out of this, out, out of the emergency that we've driven ourselves into. Some say that, you know, Dr. Adina Hinshaw has been, um, uh, as you kind of put it, deferred too much to Jason Kenney. That said, if you put her in charge and you remove the politicians, aren't the politicians the people who have been elected to, to deal with this kind of a crisis? Do you think there's any kind of a risk there in terms of setting a precedent that during a crisis you have people who are unelected making the decisions, even if the decisions of the elected people are, are under heavy criticism? Well, you know, that I, I, that's a, a really, really good point, and it's absolutely not the situation that we want to be in. But but we are in a fourth wave because of, of politically motivated decision after politically motivated decision after politically motivated decision. We have a premier who, who defied the advice of experts across the country, opened up too soon, and then went away and went dark for weeks after weeks. Uh, so he made a decision that, cre uh, that, that created an emergency and then he refused to deal with it for weeks afterwards and even now he's still refusing to, to deal with it in a meaningful way and so at a certain point when your political leadership becomes so uh, devastatingly incapable of managing uh, the crisis, then you have to look at another option. So so you're right, it's not comfortable, but you know, I, when we proposed it, we equated it a little bit to, you know, uh, you don't have the cabinet making decisions about who gets criminally charged and who doesn't. There's a, a fundamental principle of, of, uh, of independence that goes in place there. And for this short period of time, that's what should happen here. And quite honestly, the act already gives the CMOH that level of independence. She's just never chosen to use it. She's always 
always chosen to defer to uh, Jason Kenney and his cabinet. And so we're suggesting that they uh, specifically direct her uh, to to exercise that independence and they pull themselves out of it because they're they're simply too conflicted with each other and, and their own political self-interest uh, to, to lead in the way Albertans need. Do you think that Premier Kenney should resign? You know, I, I honestly think that uh, that level of chaos is is not what is front and center in the minds of most Albertans right now. They want their ICUs to be there for them if if they are in an accident. I also think that, quite honestly, the rot is very deep. Uh, what we know from what people have said over the last few weeks is that every member of that UCP caucus knew for anywhere from four to six weeks that the open for summer plan was failing and that the hospitals were filling up at a rate which, that was unsustainable. And every one of them sat on their hands. So there's a big problem within that whole organization. Um, so whether he steps down, he doesn't step down, ultimately, uh, you know, there's going to have to be accountability and he is the leader, but I don't know that there's any obvious uh, better path uh, at this point. And certainly, I don't think Albertans need an election right now. So really, right now, uh, I, th I think we've just got to find the, the, the most um, uh, pragmatic and effective path towards uh, getting our province out of this emergency. And then we can start talking a little bit more about the politics. And of course, I'm the official opposition leader. I'm all about the politics. But, but I think that we can get to that conversation once our ICUs are, are equipped to, to care for Albertans when they have emergency life and death needs. Rachel Notley, leader of the opposition in Alberta, thank you for joining us today. We send our very best to the people in Alberta. Thank you. That's our show for today. We'll be right back here next Sunday. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for the West Block.